Okay, a couple of chamber announcements. Don't forget that applications for serving on the chamber board are available until Friday. Right now, four to four three-year seats are available, and there are four appointed seats that serve for a one-year term. Also, community award nominations are available on the same page at ketchikanchamber.com. And lastly, we welcome the new chamber member, Double Eagle Furnishings. Today we have the candidates running for the Ketchikan City Council. There are two three-year seats available as well as one one-year seat. All of the questions have been submitted by community and chamber members. Each candidate will be given either two minutes or one minute and 30 seconds depending on the question. For the candidates, you'll see our timer hold up a yellow card when you have used half of your time and a red card when you should conclude. A reminder for our radio listeners, please, please state your name before each question. It's easy to forget, but if people are just tuning in, you know they don't know who's speaking. Lastly, we will have some quick hit questions mixed into the forum, and they really only demand a quick response. Those will not be timed. In other words, please keep it short and sweet. And lots of thanks to KPUTV and KTKN for airing this forum live. Your chamber appreciates its sponsors. We're going to go ahead and start with Chris. This is a two-minute question. Thank you for your willingness to serve. Please tell us your name and one particular item about yourself that people more than likely are not aware of that lends to your ability to successfully serve on our city council. Yeah. Oh. All right. So, again, my name is Chris Cummings. Um, you know, thank you guys for coming out. Um, I'll just jump right in. Um, so one thing about me that I don't think people know um, I mean, I've been pretty, it's a hard question because I've been pretty open about who I am and what I've struggled with in my life. Um, I think, you know, something I don't talk about a lot is like, um, just, I, I'm somebody with autism. Like I live on the autism spectrum and it really shapes who I am and how I interact with the world. And I think, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's just, social struggle but other times it's kind of a superpower when I'm trying to analyze information or put uh, put research together um, and so I think like uh, I mean the whole reason I'm running is to try to bring something different to the table and I think that is something unique about me that um, not only gives me something special to bring but I think also can help me be a role model to other people. Thank you. My name is Mark Flora. I currently serve on the city council. Uh, one thing I think most people probably in Ketchikan don't know about me is that many years ago in my youth, um, I achieved a first degree black belt in Taekwondo, um, and then I spent a year as an instructor. So how would that help me to serve on the city council? Uh, <laughs> it helps not from a violence perspective. It's useful for serving on the city council because a journey through martial arts, anybody who's been a practitioner knows that it's a physical and mental journey into the recesses of your mind. And it's given me perspective into myself as well as a high level of discipline and determination to get things done. Thank you. Hello, my name is Jamie King and I'm running for the three-year seat for city council. So I grew up here in Ketchikan and I graduated from K-High. I had a large group of friends. I loved going to school and I enlisted in the Navy and in the Navy I was no longer special. 
and I was with people who maybe were not as academically smart as I was, but they were gifted in the expertise that they had. It was a real voyage because it made me appreciate that everybody's voice needs to be heard and that they all have specific perspectives. And that even though I could have great ideas, my idea could not be the most precious thing in the room. It had to be a collaborative effort and you have to listen to what other people have to say, even if it feels hurtful to you. To keep going through that and make sure that your end result is what's being served, not your ego. Good afternoon. My name is Jack Finnegan. I'm running for the one-year seat on the city council. Uh, when I was 19 years of age, I dropped out of college. I went to a small liberal arts school right out of high school and found that I had um, not broadened my horizons from the small Midwestern town I'd grown up in. I'd found myself in another small Midwestern town and wanted to kind of explore the world a little bit. So I dropped out of school. I spent 11 years kind of adventuring. And uh, after 11 years of adventuring, I re-enrolled in school and I earned a BA in philosophy, which uh, is actually a little bit less unknown now. It's part of my statement to the catch Daily News that candidate statements were printed this morning. But what I gained from studying philosophy is exactly what I sought, which was an, an improvement in my critical thinking skills, which is how I think it'll serve me very well, serve me very well in my life and will serve me very well on the city council. Studying philosophy challenges you to examine the assumptions that you make to entertain arguments that you might not find immediately agreeable. Uh, and I think having that skill set with a seat on the city council will make me an engaged council member. Thank you. Hi, Lalette Kistler. Uh, I am currently on the city council. I was appointed last year after losing by 36 votes. <laughs> um, what a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know is um, I've been married come November, 40 years. So I know how to compromise. I know how to see other people's opinions and respect other people's opinions and live my life and be okay with them having a different opinion. And I think that's very helpful on the city council. Good afternoon, uh, Kevin Kristovich. I'm running for a three-year seat on the city council. I've uh, lived here my whole life, uh, raising a family here, my grandkids, my dog. Um, I grew up listening to a lot of older people getting advice, um, taking in what they say, and um, I still do. And people ask me for advice a lot of times, and sometimes it's not always the, the best advice, but um, a lot of my ideas and opinions I share alike with people in the city. And upon uh, encouragement of people in Ketchikan, I've decided to take a run for city council. Um, I, uh, I don't travel. I stay home a lot, so I'm readily available pretty much seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So I'm uh, I'm willing to listen to the concerns, the complaints, the comments, and if there's issues that can be taken to the table and uh, find a resolution for problems, 
I'll give it. A, I'll give it my best effort. Thank you. Hello, my name is Dion Booth. I'm also running for a three-year seat on the Ketchikan City Council. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, one thing that most people probably wouldn't know, I guess, is I served a term on the Ketchikan Youth Soccer League Board of Directors. And uh, how that would help me is, as you might imagine, um, ma managing over 100 children uh, and trying to figure out where they all fit in on their different teams. Uh, one thing we had to do on that board was we had to rank every single one of these kids and try to balance dozens and dozens of teams. And this isn't just Johnny's the fastest or Mary's the smartest. You have to really know all of these kids, their strengths and weaknesses, their communication skills. You, you know, you can imagine um, doing that is a lot like this on a smaller scale, the city of Ketchikan. I'd like to get to know everybody in the community. I'd like to hear their input. I'd like to know their strengths and weaknesses and, and uh, use my pastime on the KY cell board um, and apply that at the Ketchikan City Council level. The next set of questions is going to be a minute and 30 seconds long, and we are going to begin with Mark. What do you see as some of the near-term goals for the city manager once she has settled in? Mark Flora. Once the city manager has settled into the job, she's going to be faced with a, a ton of challenges. And I think the near-term priorities that she needs to wrap her head around, uh, I'll focus on two because these two will influence the outcomes of all the others, and that's people and revenue. People from the perspective of that, uh, the city is faced with a lot of recent retirements. There's more pending retirements. We've lost a few people to other uh, municipalities or private sector jobs, um, and revenue is an ongoing and forever challenge to municipality. There's never enough to get done what we need to. So once Ms. Walsh has been at her desk for a while and she is more comfortable and understands the many challenges and priorities facing our town, uh, I hope that we take a very hard look at succession planning and find a way to fill those vacancies to carry out the mission of the community, whether it be public safety or the port or infrastructure, uh, there's a lot that's going to be coming at her, and it's going to start, like I said, with people and revenue. Thank you. Jamie King, I think that Mark Flora put it beautifully, revenue and people will be the closest challenges that a new director will have to face. She'll have to get to know all of her department heads and be able to mesh them together effectively, as well as help those departments start to run in a firm direction with a financially viable budget that we will, you know, hopefully if I get elected, but whoever's on the city council will be helping to create and approve. All of those monies and asks are already in the works. They are all, all those plans are already laid. It will be about maneuvering those plans to be sustainable and about those department heads in the future growing and revitalizing those departments so that they can perform well. Uh, Jackson, again, running for a one-year seat. 
Uh, one of the challenges that I know I'll be facing if I'm seated at the council is just absorbing the massive amount of information, getting a, a sense of the detail of the different departments, how they interact. I can't imagine how much more will be on the plate for the city manager when she when she assumes her role. Uh, and uh, in in attendance at the, I believe it was the S September 15th meeting, the acting city manager spoke to the challenge that we have right now in retaining personnel, partly because wages are so much more competitive in the private sector. And I think focusing on finding ways to make city employment positions more attractive uh, so that we can have better retention, so that we see, Mark addressed the, the, the issue with impending retirements, so we can fill some of the gaps that are in place and, and hold on to the people that we fill those gaps with, I think would be incredibly important to keeping all departments in the city operating smoothly. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, just learning everything that's going on. She's been watching our city council meetings, so she's kind of keeping up, and she's been keeping contact with the current acting city manager so that um, and when she has questions about things, that they're getting cleared up so that when she starts on um, Friday, <laughs> she can have an idea, really, of what she's getting into. She is a very dynamic person. I was struck with her from her very first video that we were able to watch. Um, the city council actually was the committee to hire the city manager. Um, it was a real eye-opener for me because as a new city council member, I really was still treading water at the time <laughs> trying to figure out exactly what my position was and, and what um, what I could do and what I couldn't do and, and things like that. Um, it was a very, she's very dynamic. She's, I think she's going to put us on the right track um, working towards a forward thinking strategy and um, her ideas about um, growing within um, training the people under to be leaders is real exciting and I think she'll be working towards that, which we really need. Could you ask the question one more time, please? What do you see as some of the near-term goals for the city manager once she's settled in? Well, one thing that I would like to see is uh, how financially stable is the city right now, how much money was used from the reserves during COVID, uh, what can be done to recover those, those funds without raising taxes. Uh, I'm sure she's got a lot of things on her plate, um, probably not as much as what we're looking at right now, but uh, it would have to... Um, to meet her, ask her some questions, see what's on her mind for a plan of attack, and go from there. Dion Booth, um, going for a three-year seat on Ketchikan City Council. Um, so I think near-term near goals that uh, she should have for herself is probably the budget and the staff, which uh, really tie really hand-in-hand -hand together. So just like I was saying about... Um, being on the board of directors for Ketchikan Youth Soccer League, what really helps is getting to know every one of those kids. And in her position, what I think would really help is getting to know every one of the city staff. It, it's going to be hard because I think there's something like 24 departments, but um, if you get to know every single person underneath you, you're going to understand how it works, where people should be, how it's going to work most efficiently if they are in the spot that works best for them. Thank you.
right. Hey, um, Chris Cummings here. Um, so as I see it, uh, the, the city manager is, you know, like the CEO, CEO of our community. Um, and so I, uh, I think there's two main focuses. There's like the administrative side of the job and then the city manager also was kind of like a figurehead for our community and a representative, um, yeah. Anyway, so I think on the on the administrative side of the house, it, it sounds like it's all about personnel. I mean, we've had some really high level jobs sit vacant for years now. It's, um, and when you don't have leaders in place, like the rest of that organization suffers. People aren't getting developed. People aren't growing when they don't have somebody there to guide them. And then on the other side, the kind of more um, future-oriented side of the job, I think diversification of our economy is, I, I, I mean, that's like where it's at. Like, I think COVID showed us what happens when we are over-reliant on a single industry to fund, to fund our basic services. And so... Um, I think, you know, bringing it, uh, as somebody who's not from our community, bringing in an outsider's perspective can help us problem solve creatively. And I think um, that's something to maximize on. For a minute and 30 seconds, starting with Jamie, if the CLIA agrees to an agreement to give the city the ability to use CPV funds for upgrading the port and other infrastructure, what would be your priorities and why, or do you oppose this possibility and why? Jamie King. I, again, everybody can use more money, and if we can negotiate for more money, that might be a great option depending on what those strings would be. I think that addressing some of our deferred maintenance as they apply to the ports and harbors would be a top priority. We have aging infrastructure, and I know that there's a lot of infrastructure money out there, but putting that extra money toward things that really tie in to ports and harbors, they are their own unique capsulated entity but facilitating that revitalization from the ports out would be really impactful. And if we can have money to serve both of those masters, that would be uh, like a genie in a bottle, right? Uh, Jackson again, running for one year seat. Um, this is, you know, it's 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 an interesting question. And uh, uh, at a recent city council meeting, the with Charlie Ball, the current uh, chairman of CLIA Alaska gave a presentation to the council and spoke about wanting to build a more amenable relationship with municipal government, which I found incredibly encouraging. And uh, I know that recent um, agreements made for the city of Juneau have opened up the opportunity for, is it a convention center, uh, is the nature of the, um, uh, is, is how some of those monies are going to be spent, at least in Juneau. I think in uh, Ketchikan, we have the, the the new and uh, still developing challenge of figuring out how to uh, integrate with the Ward Cove, the, the dock at Ward Cove. And um, I don't know if uh, uh, we want to address issues relating to traffic, congestion, uh, road repair. These are all considerations. Uh, or if there's, um, there's some, some better way that we can uh, I don't know, smoothen out some of the wrinkles that have developed 
by virtue of all the added traffic, the, the additional bodies coming to and from Ward Cove. That's something that I'd want uh, to look at. Well, uh, Kistler, um, I'm very excited about the possibility of getting more funding from CLIA. I, I was ready to um, be a little combative at the last meeting and um, demanding that they pay more because it's just ridiculous. We should be able to support the docks from the funding from the cruise ships. Period. And so it, it looks like that's now going to happen. Very excited. They're going to be, um, they're talking about pitching in um, for uh, the parts of grants that we won't, that we would have to spend, that we, we frankly don't have the money. We don't have the money to do these things. And they're realizing that. And I think the mess with transportation from Ward Cove has shown them that Ketchikan downtown Ketchikan is a destination in itself and we now have bargaining room because they are at that realization and I think that's why they've come to the table. Very excited. I was in for um, electricity on the docks um, before and everyone said no, no, no. Well, it's now a possibility. I approached them with it. They came back and said they're interested. They'll help to repair the docks, add on to birth three. So it's very exciting. Our budget can really use this. Kevin Kristovich. Uh, this is kind of scary with me about um, an outside entity coming in and offering an unknown amount of money, uh, the determination of what the money is to be used for. Um, uh, what are we losing if we fall for this deal? Um, are we going to lose ownership? Um, do we have any say in what we need? Uh, our, our roads are in much need of repair. Uh, we have a lot of these tour operators using our city, our residential roads, running tours, and the roads are getting in worse shape more and more all the time. So if they could uh, maybe put a provision in if they're offering an incentive package of what the money's to be used for. We could probably put in there to fix some of our roads that these two operators use. Um, Park Avenue is one. Um, if not, uh, if there's a way to, to uh, one solution for revenue is a seasonal road tax on tour operators using our city streets. Um, so before we jump off and grab this idea, I would want to ask some more questions and get some more thorough answers. Thank you. Dion Booth, a three-year seat. Um, so one thing that I really have been trying to focus on hard on, on, on my campaign is uh, the people that have felt like they've not been heard or have been too scared to go up to the council and speak. And uh, every time, you know, my coworkers or any of, anyone have heard and usually pretty surprised to hear that I'm running for a seat on the city council, um, they say, well, man, why don't you do something about the streets? And that is the thing I hear over and over and over. We've had um, work done downtown over and over and over. We had the sidewalk expansion. We always have money put in, into down there. But what about what about outside that boundary? You know, they, these are there are a lot of roads that they're using 
that uh, we use year-round that are hurting our cars. So I think I think uh, prioritization of street maintenance and uh, redoing roads and such, I think that would be a big priority to um, use this money for. And that's what I've heard from the people anyway. Thank you. This is uh, Chris Cummings again. Um, I've always, you know, this relationship, the way this relationship is set up has always really rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, ever since the lines took Juno and essentially Southeast to court, um, I, I don't know. I think that is that actions speak louder than words. And, you know, they, they can talk about being conciliatory and, but it's like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. I think that this arrangement needs to be restructured to give us more discretion over how to spend this money. I mean, this industry kind of almost has a stranglehold on us. And, um, you know, that just isn't fair. This industry has a it brings a lot, but it also has a significant impact on our community that the, the, the industry is not compensating us for. And if something's impacting our quality of life like that, um, something needs to give, something needs to change. Um, and so I think another, another solution instead of being like counting on this money is to come up with creative ways to extract more revenue from this industry. Uh, like I've heard it kind of hinted at, I, I'm a strong proponent of the bus tax. Like that's easy money right there for the taking. Um, I also think maybe there's opportunities to look at repealing the cap on sales tax to capture, you know, some of those. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if we have an idea of like what is generated from drug stores, like purchases over that amount, how much money we're losing. Um, so yeah, more creative. Problem solved. Mark Flora, running for a three-year seat. Um, I've been advocating for years for more, more financial independence of the use of port revenues. The Port of Ketchikan is owned by every city resident equally. It's a community asset that should provide community benefit for everyone. So what specifically could we do? Uh, Mr. Ball from CLIA did say that he wants to recast the relationship. Well, I think, quite frankly, that's long overdue. I don't think anybody, any of us know quite yet where that will go, but here's a few places where I think we could put some focus. So first three need some improvements. The dot design is done. Uh, we've taken some actions this year. We have a little more than half of the funds ready for that. We don't have the rest. The industry wants to see Birth 3 completed so it can accommodate bigger ships. I think they need to pipe in and get the other half to us. We need 15 to $20 million of cathodic protection on Births 1 and 2. We don't have the money. Even if COVID had not occurred, we would not have had the money to do it all ourselves. Also, I do believe there should be a direct path from the port to the general fund that all the parties can agree upon. And then once that money is in the general fund, it needs to be up to the community and not the cruise lines with how those funds are utilized. The locals here in town, we know what we need, and I think we can handle our affairs just fine. We just need an improved revenue source in order to take some of the burden off of locals. Thank you. For a minute and 30 seconds, beginning with Jack this time, the city has been experiencing employee retention issues based on the pay grades currently offered. 
For example, the acting city manager informed city council at a recent meeting that there exists the possibility that solid waste may be reduced to only one CDL qualified driver, which would severely affect solid waste pickup efficiency. What would be your plan to better retain employees in a tight budget situation? Thank you, Jack. I'm running for a one-year seat. This actually um, dovetails with my answer to the previous question, talking about having heard uh, the, the then-acting city manager describe this problem. And uh, do I have a solution to that problem? No, I don't. And this is one of the challenges that I will be facing as a first-time seated member of the council should I be elected, is that I, I really don't know just yet what kind of wiggle room we have. I don't know what kind of mechanisms or tools might be available to me as a member of the council to um, increase the retention of, of city staff members or to increase the offerings that we can make to prospective uh, staff members. So that, that'll be part of the legwork that I'll have to do should I be elected, figuring out what kind of tools might be available to us to retain the staff that we have and to attract new staff to our city. Lalette Kistler. Um, there is actually a process that we will be addressing again um, after the, we were waiting until the new city manager came to address the situation and, and we just realized at the last meeting that ooh, maybe that was a mistake um, and we heard about the um, solid waste issues um, about not having enough drivers potentially. Um, hopefully they can hang on um, with the positive news that the council was obviously worried about the situation. Um, basically, the city manager only has a certain amount of uh, ability to offer a raise to someone. So if you're um, about to lose someone because they're going somewhere else, because they can get a better deal somewhere else, then there's nothing they can do. Uh, it has to come to the city council if it goes to above a certain pay grade, and it, it, that is not efficient. <laughs> and so the city manager needs to have the ability to make those discretionary uh, choices, and that is coming. Um, Budget-wise, I mean, that's why we raised taxes. It was, it was terrible. It was awful. It was excruciating, but we, we had to do it because we're losing, we're hemorrhaging employees, as everyone in the entire nation is. It's not a, um, a, an unusual thing. But, um, yeah, the revenue, uh, the possibility of getting the money from the ships coming in to be able to go into the general fund that is the streets and things like that. Can you read the question again, Uh, situation um, they're just your your question is involving just one CDL driver per truck well you have to look at the budget um, for one uh, there's been instances where I talked to a retired ferry worker and he said that they had some budget issues and what have you, and they elected to take 
a pay freeze for I believe it was a year or so, maybe a little longer, and they weathered it out. And then once they got through their little financial situation, they got a slight pay grade increase. Um, it's hard to keep people. I mean, people aren't wanting to go to work. Um, then there's people that are working. Um, it, I don't have an answer for that. Um, if people are willing to just ride it out, and you live here, you're raising your family, you have a home, you're paying taxes already, and if you're living comfortable at the present moment, you know, if they would, if they could take um, a pay freeze for a while until the city rebounds back, um, I don't know how much money the city. Um, spent during COVID out of the reserves. So without looking at numbers, I can't really give a definite answer. Thank you. Dion Booth uh, for a three-year seat on the city council. Um, so as far as uh, retention goes, we are a city manager strong government. Like Willette said, maybe we should be a little bit city manager stronger. She should have the uh, power to give a raise when necessary. If we're losing employees, that is so much X amount of dollars per employee a year that is retiring. Um, if we could implement some sort of training program to uh, make the employees we do have more qualified, then we can give them the raise that they deserve and uh, like I said or well that said that we can put that hopefully put that power in the city manager's um, hands as far as uh, getting new employees I think the city needs to advertise 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 they uh, get uh, I saw one advertisement recently in the newspaper where um, the position was a city job I don't remember which one it was but there was over 30 paid days off that is awesome. That is great benefits. The city offers really great benefits, and, and uh, I can only imagine you'd have to get a significant pay raise from somewhere else to uh, forgo these benefits if you were to leave. So if we can find a way to better qualify the employees we have so we can um, justify giving them raises and then advertise how great it is to work for the city, then maybe you can also get uh, more qualified applicants as well. Thank you. Um, Chris Cummings again. I think when it comes to retention, at the end of the day, most of the time, it's all about the money, right? Um, uh, and so in a budget situation like this, that's where revenue, new revenue streams come in. I mean, that's payroll is, I mean, it's the hugest chunk of our city budget um, is payroll. And so, um, you know, if we talk about cuts, we're talking about jobs, real people. And so um, I think another part of this too, a more long-term solution is to figure out how to solve our brain drain. I mean, we are, we have great kids here. We do a good job teaching them. We should, we, we should be able to develop our own talent, to grow our own city managers and board directors and fire chiefs and police chiefs. Um, we have that, but somewhere there's a disconnect, you know, our, our, brightest students are going south for college and never coming back because they don't, the opportunities are here, but we're not connecting them with, with them. And so um, 